0: Welcome to episode four of the Acquire and Scale podcast. This is your host, Gabriel Murillo, and today we have Nihal Kasim. He is the CEO of a leading Facebook marketing agency, AdsPro, where they help direct-to-consumers brand scale Facebook ad campaigns. Hey, Nihal, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome, man. So yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I know you are one of the top Facebook agencies out there and I'm excited to hear what you what said that you guys are working on right now. So why don't you go ahead and share with us
1: uh, what is it that you guys do at AdPros? Yeah, absolutely. So at AdPros, we're working with some of the fastest growing direct to consumer DTC brands, and we are responsible for front end growth for back end profitability. And so what that means is for a lot of subscription companies that we're working with, their focus is how do they break records month on month, they don't want to just stay flatline, or they don't want to optimize for profitability, what they want is scale, and they want mass scale. And uh, most people come to us when they're spending at least 30,000 to 100,000 a month, and their focus is how do you get to 300,000 a month or more in ad spend at break even or profit on the front end. So that's what we do in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, and and so when you say those kind of businesses, they can range for anything. By tier, it's got to be online, but they can range for anything like any direct-to-consumer brands. Is there any commonalities in the clients that you serve or you're industry agnostic?
1: Yeah, so most of them are direct-to-consumer subscription companies. So it's some sort of consumable or some sort of product that gets In one way or another, it gets consumed. So most of them are supplements, but uh, there are different types of like aids we work with or different types of products that are on a subscription basis of some sort, even if they're not consumable. The focus is the types of companies we work with are already seven-figure companies and their commitment is how do they become eight-figure companies and a lot of them ready or designed to be exited. And so that changes the dynamics of how they look at cash flow, how they look at speed, how they look at risk, and how they look at decision making on the same day or month to month or quarter base. Just because they're a lot more aggressive, and they're not looking at same day profitability, they're not looking at you know obsessively looking at ROAS or how high their ad spend to revenue ratio is. They care about customer acquisition and doing it at scale, so that they get in more and more people consuming their products, so that 90 days from now. They're actually successful and profitable.
0: Are these companies mostly bootstrap companies or also venture funded companies?
1: Yes. Yeah, so some of them are self-funded, but we also have companies who have some sort of seed funding anywhere between a million dollars to a few million dollars. Most of these companies, like the whole direct to consumer market is relatively new. And this is a huge wave. And I think that's is going to be even greater with everything that's going on right now. And so... Uh, a lot of them are, are two years or younger, but they grow so quickly. You know, one of the companies we're working with, they were at 40,000 a month in, uh, in revenue last June. They're stable at 150 to 200,000 a month uh, within three months or four months of working with us. And then now we're working on breaking through the next plateau and other companies are at a much higher level than that. But they grow super quickly because they're focused on acquisition. And then they're building these brands for the valuation on revenue and not so much on profit. So it's a very different game.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know coming from the startup world, it's a very different, like you're saying, it's a different strategy between the valuation because the company that is raising capital has different um, numbers and metrics that they're looking at. But I'm curious to know, you still work with profitable companies, seven-figure profitable companies, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I just want to make sure. So different companies have different metrics for success. And if you're trying to show a hockey stick Uh, growth, most of people are, it's very difficult to focus on uh, scale and profitability at the same time. And so it it just depends on what the priority is and what success is and what success metrics are. Because if success to you is like very profitable, meaning 300%, 400% ROAS on Facebook or uh, ad spend to revenue ratios of 10, 20% max, it's very different to the companies who are in scale mode, where their percentage of revenue, where their ad spend to revenue or ratios are much, much higher, where 30%, 40%, 50% of their revenue is ad spend. And if they're even more aggressive than that, then they might be looking at 150% of their revenue or more. So we're working with primarily com- with companies that are primarily at break even or a little bit of profit so that they can go reinvest because they're bootstrapping. And then there's some exceptions to that. So that's not. We're not just looking at break-even businesses or anything like that. But we, what we do want is we want to create new acquisitions so that within ninety days, those people are consuming again and consuming at a higher rate, and that's where the profit comes from. And so the business owners we work with they understand that.
0: Yeah, totally. No, absolutely. So yeah, what I was what I was going as well. It's it's like you're mentioning. There's some companies that. If they're measuring success by their profit, then they're stuck in in looking at just some numbers, but not looking at the future and the value of the company, especially for most of the Internet-based acquisitions that are not, you know, outside of Silicon Valley and that valuation. Uh They are going to be, the value of the company is going to be based on their profit at the end of the year and a multiple of that. So if they're not showing profit because they're growing very, very, very quickly, that may not be a good thing for that kind of acquisitions. But for other kind of acquisitions, it doesn't matter because it's all about the growth rate. It's all about the month-to-month customer acquisition. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So look at it this way. If your business is making $20,000 a month in revenue, and it's, even if it has like zero cost of goods sold, and you're spending $20,000 a month in operating and advertising, that isn't as sexy or you know successful of a business versus if you're doing $2 million a month and you're doing it at break even because the valuation at for a business like that as well as the momentum they have, the brand that they're building, the reach they have, the number of customers they're getting, how many people are actually consuming the product, all of those assets that are being built Um, at $2 million a month versus $20,000 a month, it's just two different games. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. And there's nothing wrong with either of those models. It's just you just have to play the game that's right for you. And as an agency, we get compensated primarily on ad spend. So we're playing the game that optimizes for ad spend and in the future equity. And so we're not interested in profit, because that's not how we increase our retainers. And we don't want massive Agency. We want a, a boutique, intimate agency that works with a handful of clients who's spending three hundred thousand per month per client. So it's it, we're optimizing for very different things versus a business who uh, just wants to make you know ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars a month in profit. It's very different numbers as success.
0: Yes. So I was looking at AdPros.com, which um, I'm going to be linking on the show notes, and you guys have some very very cool resources. So the scaling levers, the ten mindset. Uh, Scaling ad, ad spend, the ad scorecard. So we're not going to have time. So if you guys want to learn more, definitely check it out. But I do want to talk about why is it that you think mindset is so important for scaling uh, scaling a company with online ads?
1: Yeah. So mindset's really important. So we have a resource called the mindset shifts on tens uh, shifts to make to in order to scale to ten thousand dollars per day in ad spend. And where we see people get stuck is that they actually have profitable businesses, but how, or they have successful campaigns, but they don't know that they're actually successful or not. Or there's a miscommunication of what. Uh, a media buyer, the person who's actually pressing the buttons in an ads manager, what they define success as versus the marketing manager or the business, the actual leader of the company is CEO versus the investors. So if an investor is looking at break-even campaigns or even a little bit of you know, loss at an acquisition versus the media buyer is freaking out if, if they're in that situation, it's just a disconnect on how decisions are made. And fundamentally, I've seen the three main decisions to make in your Facebook ad campaigns are basically, when do you decide to scale? When do you decide to slow down or maintain ad spend? And when do you decide to pause? And because most businesses don't actually define the core metrics, the bottom line metrics that lead to those decisions, there's a lot of confusion that happens between all those levels from the person who's pressing the buttons versus the person who's at marketing versus the person who's running the company versus an investor. And so it's very important everyone's on the same page, not only you know inside of the ads manager mindset, but what is going on at the business level because what different roles look at as success is different. And so mindset is very important because everyone should be on that same page. And a lot of that comes down to communication and expectation.
0: Yes, beautiful. And when it comes to you and defining, you know, with Facebook changing so quickly and all the updates and all the different things, when you get to decide as an agency that you want to continue to serve these clients, I know you've seen success, but there's also a lot of cost involved in you having to retrain yourself. What What is your mindset there when you want to serve and support these kind of clients, when you also have to be able to keep up on a pretty much daily or hourly basis on all the changes?
1: Yeah, so the reality of Facebook advertising is everything constantly breaks, right? So we our mindset is we have to constantly adapt. And this is a really interesting time for our Facebook world because there's always some sort of challenge when it comes to Facebook advertising, but right now it's even more severe. And so you can see the type of media buyer the person on your team is based off of how they're reacting or not. And so what we're seeing is that there is a person who's like very adaptive and proactive and their time of implementation from idea or analysis all the way to execution and launch is 24 hours or less. So there's that person who's so on it and getting stuff done all the way down to the next type of person who's implementing within a week versus the next person who's kind of frozen and not implementing at all to the person who's mentally checked out and already gave up and apathetic. So you can see the scale of that and like the spectrum from the person who implements within 24 hours to the next person who's implementing within five to seven days to the next person who's implementing very slowly or if at all versus the person who's completely checked out. And so the thing to consider is if are you operating as a media buyer or the person who's running the company, are you operating from a proactive standpoint or a reactive standpoint? Because the one truth or the one constant in Facebook ads is that it's going to break. And so the mindset we have is that if you know it's going to break, how are you going to react, assuming it's going to break. And that changes the nature of Facebook advertising and how you operate, because whatever creative you launch and is successful right now is not going to work very soon. Same thing with the copy. Same thing with the testing. Same thing with the account structure. Same thing potentially with your offer and your avatar. And so It's it's very fragile, and the only way to operate is with the mindset of anti-fragile and actually working with the assumption that things that are working are going to break, and that way you're way less emotional and way more pragmatic and uh, logical about what you're actually doing.
0: Yeah, I have right here the ad scorecard. You got the offer, the avatar, the funnel, nurturing, the ad, ad optimization, tracking, and decision-making. Again, guys, if you're listening to this, I highly suggest you go check out pros.com and go learn more about that methodology. But what I wanted to do is just kind of like a fun case where, you know, every time somebody, I'm pretty sure they ask you like, Hey man, how do you grow a business with Facebook ads? You always going to answer, it depends, right? It depends, <laughs> right. depends on many different variables. But what I wanted to do is kind of like a fun experiment with you. So in the podcast, we are talking about acquiring scale. We are building a portfolio, looking to buy different businesses. And one of the opportunities always, well, if this company is not doing Facebook ads, or they're not running traffic, that may be a potential opportunity. So what I wanted to do based on what that scorecard that we just went through is like, if you were to buy a business and I'll tell you about this company, right? And I tell, well, basically it's an e-commerce business that are been in the in the market for 10 years. They sell high luxury kind of clothing, high-end clothing for kids online. They've been doing that for 10 years. They reach out seven figures, and they have about 5,000 email subscribers. So, again, they have strong brand. They got over 5,000 people that bought through their Shopify website, and they never rent traffic or pay traffic to their website. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at business like that, you're either going to invest or buy yourself Why would it be the main thing that you will want to ask me if I'm the seller, right? Like, why would you ask me and what would be your thought process to analyze a deal like this?
1: Okay, so I've seen this speaking to other investors as well, and they see this as a constant opportunity, which is that if a company has never done Facebook ads, oh, that's such an incredible opportunity. I can launch Facebook ads and create a new traffic source. The answer is yes, you can do that, but it's actually pretty risky. So it depends on average order value and depends on the investment that you want to do. If the business is running and it's, it's stable and there's other traffic sources that are helping support that, but that's great. But for us, we always look at people who are already doing Facebook ads. People who already have momentum, people who are a little bit unprofitable, because the opportunity to optimize a campaign that's like 20% unprofitable and turn it around and increase the profitability is way easier than a campaign that is not spending any money. Why? Because everything is broken. When you launch, the first ad that you launch is probably not going to be successful. The testing budget that you need in order to get it to a break even campaign realistically depending on average order of values and what you're doing is maybe $5,000 to $10,000 minimum right and of course you can mitigate that and you can accelerate that by modeling other people's campaigns but at the end of the day like that's a process you have to do so if i'm an investor i'm trying to mitigate my opport- my, my risk and reduce it as much as humanly possible i want to buy a company that's already doing facebook ads horribly or at break even, so I can optimize it with fundamentals instead of building it from scratch. If you are building it from scratch, the biggest opportunity there is choosing the or finding the one offer that's going to work in order to create your first break even campaign. I think the what really messes up, especially going into a new traffic source, is I need this. So my your cost of goods sold might be thirty percent, and when it comes to a product that they're running. It's like, I need this to be at 5X ROAS for this to even make sense or 4X, you know, my return for this to make sense for Facebook ad. And it's just not going to happen. You start with zero ROAS, you start with zero profitability and you have to stack it and you have to get to break even of some sort just so that you can actually build from there. And I think there's like a, a high degree of like lack of patience when it comes to the implementation of Facebook ad campaigns, because there's a rush to be very profitable and the phases to get to profitability isn't from zero to profit; it's zero to break even, and usually it's zero to more loss before you actually break even, and then you start making money. And I think that's just not understanding reality and not understanding how uh, Facebook or any advertising works. So that's that's what I see with a, a lot of investors when they're looking at businesses and saying that, well, this has zero Facebook traffic. Let me go do that. That's great as long as you're willing to invest five to ten k minimum just to break even on the campaign to create momentum that eventually is going to make you profit. So that's my very indirect answer to your very direct question.
0: Love it. No, yeah. And that, and that really correlates with your ad scorecard where basically the, the, the hardest things to validate will be those, the offers, the avatar, the funnel, the nurturing, and then all the other stuff, which is what you guys master is what people think that Facebook ad is, which yeah, is, yeah you turn on the ad and you try to all these tricks and all these hacks. Yeah. But in reality, the bulk of it, will you say it's at 80% and 20% or, or maybe half and half?
1: Yeah, it depends. So it depends on the life cycle of the campaign. So if you look at the type of clients that we work with, they're already spending at least on the very, very low end, 15 to 30 grand, right? So say they're spending $1,000 a day. When you're spending $1,000 a day, you have so much data coming in that we can come in and we can analyze it based off of seven different elements, and we can make pretty big decisions. So I'll, I'll tell you of a company that we just brought on board, and we're in the in this exact stage right now. They're spending twenty five thousand a month, and they're making fifty percent ROAs. So imagine spending a dollar and you make back fifty percent. It's not a good equation, you know. It's not a very successful. Equation And so what they want is if, especially because they sell supplements and long lifetime value, they have lifetime value customers for them, if they can get 100, 120% ROAS or profitability, then they are getting so much branding, traffic and customers for free that the lifetime value pays for itself, right? For some people listening to this, this is super obvious. For other people, they have known just a profitable way to scale advertising and scale campaigns. So it messes with how they make decisions. And so for us, we saw that Facebook ads aren't their core problem. Facebook ads are part of the problem. The biggest problem that they had is that their average order value is too low. So average order value is how much a person spends on on the website. And so we saw they have two major types of products, proactive products and reactive products. The reactive product is something when people get sick and then they take a product just to solve a problem. But the money and the lifetime value is in prevention, not in actual treatment. So we want to create products that are or uh, promote products that are prevention. Now, each of these products has a really low ticket. It's like $10, $15. And so on Facebook ads, it's very hard to make that work unless we do bundling. And so when we do bundles, there are types of bundles that we can choose to increase how much the average person spends on a transaction, especially if our advertising is based on preventative products with a bundle with an average order value that's much higher so that more people spend a higher amount of money on that first transaction. We pay more of our advertising, that changes the way that, uh, that changes the type of avatar that we're marketing to, that changes the funnel, that changes the nurturing, that changes the ad copy, the ad creative, as well as the targeting. So notice that just by understanding the last part of the ad scorecard, which is tracking, we're able to go back to the offer and the avatar and say, you know what? We need to increase average order value. What are all the different ways that we can do this for this company? And the way that we found is if we can match the right offer, which is a bundle that's preventative, to the right avatar, which is a specific type of mom that we're going to be working with, all the other elements of the funnel, the nurturing, the ad, ad optimization are way easier. And that's what we're implementing right now just based off of that shift. And so, uh, when people think about let's do Facebook ads, they're thinking, what does my ad say and it just copy, uh, or images and then what button do I press? And it has way more to do with the rest of the business when it comes to that optimization. So you just have to look, the first question to ask is, are you profitable or are you hitting your core metrics? Yes or no. If you are not hitting your core metrics, the, the first place I would start is actually outside of Facebook. And then go back into Facebook, and I think that's a big mistake uh, a lot of media buyers make.
0: Yeah, and the next question that I have right here it's it was exactly about that, like financial planning and forecasting. I know you you go over that. You have KPI, so you already unpacked some of that stuff. And I'm, I'm already thinking on people that I want to share this podcast with, clients that are working in the past that they may not even understand this terminology. So I want to just spend you know a few minutes just breaking down the the ROAS versus the profitability and really make a distinction between, it's not about being profitable as a company, but perhaps being profitable with the product itself. So the financial architecture. So when you're talking about if you're selling a $100 product, a well, one-time product, that average order value, it's going to be very different from the client that is selling a subscription, that it's getting multiple payments, or that is buying multiple products. So I wanted to to make that that distinction. So if you don't mind sharing more about Number one, ROAS, number two is the difference between being profitable at the end of the year with a company versus being, you know, being able to have a margin on a per product basis.
1: Yeah. So it's an important question. So for people who are listening and making notes, there's three types of metrics that we look at. We look at totals, meaning total clicks, total ads to cards, total purchases, total revenue, that kind of thing. Then we look at cost per number, so like cost per click, cost per purchase, et cetera. And then we look at ratios. So what are the percentages in terms of friction point from the click to an add to cart or add to cart to purchase, et cetera. So on a daily basis, we're tracking a bunch of numbers. You don't have to go as crazy as us. We're tracking about 35 metrics a day that become that become, go into a monthly dashboard that go into an annual dashboard. You don't have to go that crazy. But we're our clients are spending $3,000, $10,000 plus per day. It's a different level of attention. but When people are looking at data and Facebook ads, what they don't look at enough is what is happening inside of Facebook versus what's happening with the rest of the business in the same day. And that is a big challenge because if you spent $100 today um, and you made $200 what it looks like on Facebook, but in your business total, you might've made $500 that day. Where is the other money coming from? How much of it is sales just not tracked from Facebook? Is there a lifetime or, or is there a, you know, a big delay of when people are buying versus when you're spending your money? And that changes a lot of the, the dynamics that you're, you know, that you're operating from on, on Facebook ads. We have a target on Facebook for one of our clients. It's uh, 80% on the same day, 80% ROAS, which is not very good, except on the actual store, the numbers are so different. They're actually at 160%. Uh, or more the same day. And their cost of goods sold are 15%. So they're in high growth stage. And as long as there are specific Facebook metrics that we're hitting, as long as there's face, uh, storewide metrics that we're hitting and profitability metrics we're hitting, we have the ability to scale more aggressively. So with everything that's been going on, we, were, we had to slow down the ad spend for a few clients in mid-March because of uh, COVID and everything that's going on. But because we're able to see same day numbers and same day activity, we've been able to go from $2,000 a day and now we're spending $4,000, $5,000 per day for a client just because things are working and we have scaling strategies for same day scaling. So if we didn't have the, you know, the visibility of what's going on inside of Facebook and what's going out on in, outside of Facebook, you might underestimate how successful your business is or how, how successful your campaign is. Uh, by not looking at those two things together.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I want to just shift gears. I think this past twenty minutes have been very, very in depth. I love the amount of value that you share with us, and I wanted to chat more about you and and your vision. So now that you have that, I would say superpower to so basically I see a correlation between scaling campaigns and scaling a business, they go hand in hand. It doesn't mean that if you're good at scaling campaigns, you will be good at scaling a company, Not but the mindset, the mindset, it's there. And after you working with this many companies, I know you, you and I, we briefly met at, uh, Rodion, a weekend last year in Vegas, and you're part of, uh, we, like in about 20 minutes of this recording, we have another training on buying and selling businesses. So I'm curious to know if you already have a vision on acquiring other brands or what's your thought on, on that arena?
1: Yeah. So that's something I'm very interested in. I think there's a lot of potential there, especially with distressed assets. If you look at uh, crisis in real estate, you know, prices go really low. The difference is with internet marketing you don't have to wait for a market to increase valuation of a business or the valuation of an asset. There's a lot more control you have, and of course, there's a lot more risk. And so, I'm definitely interested in that. I don't have a strategy uh, yet, so that's something I'm, I'm working on.
0: I think that's why why we're basically hanging out with this group of people yeah. and, and attending this masterminds and whatnot. For this sure. is great, man. I think. Um, you know, is, is there one main thing you, you would like people to know more about Facebook ads and AdPros on the way that you guys do that people don't necessarily know that it's not very clear or not a secret, but kind of something that is not very obvious in terms of the work that you guys do at AdPros? At, at
1: yeah. So I think there's something going on right now that is like quietly killing campaigns and businesses that is not very apparent. So the thing that I, I speak to a lot of media buyers, I train in-house media buyers and agencies, and I see what is going on with different agencies and different media buyers. And what I'm seeing is that the silent killer is urgency. So right now, with everything that's going on, you have to be very adaptable. And the people who are listening, especially if they're the marketing person or you know, the investor or business owner, that person is not doing the Facebook ads. You know, They're just overlooking them. And the quality of the person is really dictated by the quality of the questions you're asking about expectations you want from them. And so what I'm seeing is that right now, there isn't an expectation on urgency. And that is so important now more than ever, because what is your urgency from, it, from the time that you're actually analyzing to implementing? And then from implementing, you're actually launching. So for example, it happened for us on March 12th, where all of our campaigns started going down. And then on the Sunday, it was like March 15th, our cam- all of our campaigns crashed. On March 16th, on that Monday, we had emergency calls with every single one of our clients. Then we had an emergency call internally with all of our team. And then from there, we're creating copy, we're creating images, we're creating videos, we're launching new campaigns. And within 24 hours, we had Emergency calls with clients, emergency calls internally, new assets developed, approved, and ready to go to launch, and we had them scheduled for the next day within that period of time because we had to. Because if we didn't, each business is losing anywhere between $5,000 to $20,000 a day in revenue. And for the bigger companies, I would challenge you to look at your media buyer and what is the expectation on their end to create new creatives, you know, images and videos, to create new copy, to launch new campaigns, to change the offers and angles and create new strategies, figure out changing messaging overall, and how quickly is the actual feedback loop? So if you uh, do all of that stuff quickly, great. But After 48 hours, are you actually reviewing it again and figuring out how to adjust it? Because nothing is going to be perfect. And every day, um, things are so dynamic, it's changing. And so that is the silent killer right now, where I'm seeing media buyers not making changes for four or five days. No new creatives, no new copy, no new adjustments. It's very, very reactive. And that's what's killing uh, campaigns and businesses right now, not technical Facebook ads.
0: Yeah. No man, yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking, you know, I I hear you speaking, I, I hear the passion, I hear the excitement, and you're definitely knowledgeable about what you're talking about. And um, I'm curious, how do you keep up with your your own mindset? So we talk about the mindset on scaling the company, scaling the campaigns, but you you seem to be a very positive person. I know there's like I said, there's a lot of different online courses and mastermind, and yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm curious to to know.
1: Yeah, man, I, I appreciate the question. Like I used to be a very negative person and I used to figure out how to create problems in my life, you know, and if you ask really bad questions, you're going to get really bad answers. And so this is just reps. This is being around high quality people. This is asking better questions. This is, you know, feeding your brain and you're creating an environment where it creates positivity, where you're not allowing negativity. A lot of people are saying, you know, my Facebook feed is so negative right now. I mean, I think that's more of a reflection of the person and the type of people they're engaging with versus uh, what's actually going on on Facebook. My Facebook feed is relatively positive and most people are making money in my feed. And so like, it's a reflection, I think. And I'm doing I'm taking the time to do reps, you know, in terms of habits. So I am challenging myself, I created a 45 day sprint, I'm calling it quarantine domination, and created challenges for myself to push myself and to distract myself to not watch the news to not look at case numbers and death numbers all the time and not look at, you know, chilling videos and images like it's very easy to do that and i have done that and it does affect my energy levels and my my thoughts severely and so i am responsible for leading my my family my team of about 10 people my clients and their families and all of the people that are in their companies. And so it's pretty serious responsibility and I I take it seriously. And and my goal is to increase the responsibility I have uh, to increase my impact. And so I can't do that if I'm dwelling on negative stuff. It's just not possible. And so I'm committed to figuring out how to master me and figure out how to ask better questions so I can get those better answers. So it's it's a journey, man, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working at it.
0: Yeah that's huge man congrats on that this definitely inspiring and challenging me as well to rethink you know my my plans for the next few days you also happen to be in Medellin you've been traveling you are you part of any
1: masterminds or any other groups or yeah so i'm constantly learning i do my best to learn a lot and one of the challenges i've put is i want to learn i want to read a book a week and i'm doing you know just being in my home I am purposefully walking a lot inside of the building and, and that kind of thing just to get steps in, just to stay active. And uh, that influences a lot of like how I consume. But yeah, in terms of actual masterminds, I'm not in any right now. I'm, I'm on the hunt. And I think that depends on the strategy I take moving forward, especially in the next 90 days or so uh, based off of priorities. So yeah, not, not formal masterminds for sure.
0: I think before we wrap up, i Want to do a quick round of questions just to to get it going. But do you have any
1: favorite uh, books on mindset or marketing? Mindset or marketing. I know. So no matter what you think about Grant Cardone, I really like the 10x rule because it is like steroids. It's like a it is a crazy motivational book. And I I the older I'm getting, I don't really value motivation and inspiration anymore because it's short term. But it does help kickstart better quality thoughts to kickstart better implementation. So I really like that. Just to think bigger, to to think faster in terms of execution. That that really is a is a phenomenal book. And the book Relentless. It is a mind blowing book on legendary levels of execution.
0: Wonderful. Definitely check that out. I, I haven't heard uh, that one, so definitely check that one out. This is another kind of more deep question. It's okay if you haven't. Any- find an answer yet, but you know, if you sell at, at pros next year and you know you exit the company, is there something that you would love to do? Like if you will not have to work a day in your life, what would you like to do?
1: Yeah, so this is actually part of the new vision I'm working on and the right environment for me to do this because I love helping people. I just one-on-one is not the core way that i want to help people i want to do it at scale and so for me one of the things that's excites excites me the most especially at, at this time we're having obviously record unemployment numbers and they're about to go even higher and that is the core that excites me because i'm really interested in how do i manufacture like trigger events in people's life that changes the like the direction of their of their life and career so there's like inflection points, you know, I met some really smart people along my journey that changed the way how I think or changed the way I looked at opportunities. And then everything else changed after that. But they just needed to be there in that one moment for that little period of time. And then boom, like everything changed, right? And so there's, there are decisions that lead to thousands of decisions, millions of decisions, like getting married or like choosing a partner. Once you choose a business partner, there's actually thousands of decisions that you're committing to by doing that decision, right? And so that's, that's the main thing I'm looking at right now. I don't have a crystal clear answer for you yet. Hopefully that changes uh, if we choose to chat like this again. But, you know, that's, that's what I, I would do uh, that I'm actually committed to doing with my time on how do I basically unlock people at scale
0: yeah. Wonderful, man. Yeah, that's great. I think well, the last thing to wrap up, it, it will be, I know I mentioned AdPros a, a couple of times. Is there any other resource that you would like to share with the audience?
1: No, I mean, uh, there's a bunch of free resources for inside of AdPros. I think the question is if there are people who are currently have an in-house media buyer or uh, have a question around just what they're doing. I'm pretty accessible via LinkedIn or or Facebook. It's very easy to find me. And so, if I could help with any direction, especially uh, training media buyers or even just giving feedback, I'm I'm happy to do that because I know like that is a big lever for an investor.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and learning more about scaling ads and looking forward to connecting with you and. Like you say, probably
1: have you in a you know, year or two and catch up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I do want to say is right now is the time to ask for help because I think there's a lot of people who are kind of ashamed sometimes if they're not doing very well or they're going into social isolation, even though they have to do physical isolation. And I've caught myself doing the same thing. And one of the, you know, the rep that I'm working on is I want to get reps in asking for help. And I'm doing a lot of calls where I sound not very educated and very confused around people who really know their stuff. And I think there's a lot of value in that when you don't know anything and there's when there's a lot of uncertainty, especially times like right now. And so if you're not asking for help from people who are a lot smarter than you or asking for help from people who are two, three, five steps ahead of you, I think that's a huge missed opportunity. I think a lot of people want to support every each other right now. And there are people who want to help you make more money if that's your main Uh, Focus, And so I just want to leave people with that. Please ask for help. I'm not saying just for me, but anyone in your life. uh, You know, everyone wants to see everyone else succeed. So uh, do it.
0: Great, man. Thank you so much. I love that uh, final thought. And I really appreciate your time. And so look forward to connecting with you later. Yeah, thank you guys. We'll talk soon. This is it for this episode.